A few months back, I was seeing some posts on LinkedIn where people were talking about some of their early jobs and where they are now in their career. On other social media and even in the news, I was seeing posts or reading articles about, you know, people complaining about generational work ethic differences. And a lot of times those are people my age complaining about uh, the younger generations. And around that time, I had recorded a video for my business talking about my experience as a data and IT guy. And in that video, I talked about how my first job was at 14 years old and I was working in this Atari home computer store. I did that because in real life, I'm a marketing management consultant and my forte is really bridging the gap between sales and marketing, uh, especially the data side over there, and then the IT side of things where that's stored and how people use it, uh, how people get to it. I specialize in building solutions around that need and those solutions are usually based in data. And I did that video because I was re referring to how that's been a part of me professionally since I started. But then the more I thought about that whole topic of work ethic and the jobs that defined us, uh, it's the same type of work ethic that if you've been listening, you've heard me mention I'm Instacarting for Thrivival. And uh, it's that work ethic that's that's brought me to that. And I'll mention that again at the end of this episode, and, and uh, that should be coming up in the next episode. But as I thought about that whole topic of work ethic and jobs, I realized everything I am in my pursuit to live and love intentionally really goes back to dressing up as Yogi Bear and driving a honey wagon. And if you don't know what a honey wagon is, it's a tractor or a truck that pulls a tank or has a tank on it to empty the poop out of campers. Welcome to episode three of season 2024 of the No Bad Karma podcast, where I share lessons I've learned in my life to give my current choices a purpose bigger than myself and hope that you do the same. So a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Today's an audio only episode. Sometimes I record video. When I record video, I post it on a YouTube channel. Um, and usually it's a couple days behind. Uh, but uh, that channel is nobadkarma.com. That's the handle spelled out, nobadkarma.com. And if you'd follow me there and follow me on Instagram and Facebook on that handle, I'd appreciate it. Uh, and then you can can uh see me when you want and i've been uh posting a couple of uh bonus content items on the youtube channel uh in terms of my instacarting for thrivival and that speaks to this episode because i talked about how how uh my work ethic is really uh, uh <laughs> it resulted in me uh being willing to do that in part but, uh, you know, I want to tell you, like I said, uh, the story of how that job affected me, how dressing up as Yogi Bear and driving a honey wagon infected, affected me and how it really impacted and defined much more than just uh, my work ethic at work. 
you know, as I said earlier, I recognize now that it set the tone for, you know, my whole attitude on living and loving intentionally. I didn't realize it until later, but, but looking back, I understand that now because, you know, jobs and work ethic, uh, uh, don't just apply to your job, how you make a living. It applies to everything you do. You have jobs in life in terms of being a parent, being a child, being a friend, being a partner, you know, it's about working together. And it's about how you work together and how you treat others you're working with and, and how you treat the jobs that you're doing. So, like I said, I realized my pursuit to live and love intentionally, what I really thought that should look like, uh, started as a result of, of dressing up as Yogi Bear and driving that honey wagon. And in terms of how that applied to work, I did put a little video together for my work social and address that. Uh, but in that video, I was wearing my actual staff t-shirt, this orange t-shirt with Yogi Bear in the corner from uh, somewhere around 1985 to 1987 timeframe. That means that t-shirt is damn near 40 years old and I still have it. I still have that shirt I wore when I was 17, 18, 19 years old because that job meant something to me. In fact, I remember when I graduated from college, that guy sent me a, a little card congratulating me that I still have today. So back in the 85 to 87 time frame, I spent two and a half seasons at uh, Yogi Bear Jellystone Park in uh, Fremont, Indiana on Barton Lake. It's right next to Angola, Indiana. It's one of the best jelly stones in the country. Uh, it's won awards off and on over the years. Uh, back then it was owned by uh, uh, Roger and Anna Berry and was still in the family last I checked, which was when I recorded my business video. In each season, the, the owners would hire uh, about eight to 10 high school and college kids, usually about half guys, half girls, and they'd house us on property. We had a guy's trailer. We had a girl's trailer. Um, there were a few high school kids that were local and they'd drive in. Uh, sometimes they'd crash there. But uh, uh, if we were seasonal campers, we uh, uh, like my family was. Then the first season, I just lived in uh, my family's trailer. But we were the staff for the season. And uh, the work was broken up pretty much like this. During the week, the guys would do most of the physical work, mowing grass, cutting down trees. We'd split wood. Um, and I heard skier hand on one of those uh, pneumatic uh, wood splitters. I was lucky. Uh, we'd run electricity and plumbing for new campsites. Did roofing. The women I worked with, they would... During the week, uh, they would do most of the, uh, what I would say, creative work. They were tapped to keep the, uh, run the activities and, and keep the families happy, um, entertain the kids. They would work on planning the big events for the weekend. Uh, during the week, the guys were mostly out in the field. Uh, the women would, would mostly be working with Anna, uh, in the store and doing book work and things like that. But when the weekend came, all the bets were, all bets were off. We all worked together. We all pitched in wherever we were needed. We all helped each other out. Uh, 
We all worked in the camp store. We'd all take turns getting up at 4.30 in the morning on weekends to make the fresh donuts we sold. Time to make the donuts, just like Fred the Baker in the old Dunkin' Donuts commercials. Uh, we had a slushy machine, and I that's where I learned slushy syrup does indeed eat the seal coat off a concrete floor. It, but, you know, we weren't just co-workers. We were family. The, the college kids that worked together, I mean... You know, if you've ever worked uh, with other uh, people your age when you were younger, like, you know, in any type of uh, entertainment venue or even a restaurant, you, you know what I'm talking about. And we lived there, right? We lived there all summer together. And the owners, uh, they would have dinner. That's lunch for you, city folk. Uh, they would have dinner for us every day. Their house was right there on the property. And Anna and, and her mom, they'd make sure we had good homemade food every day for lunch. They really took care of us, right? We were just, they'd have, they'd say, okay, you know, any come up anytime between 11 and 2, grab your lunch. They took care of us. And we took care of business for them. And on Sunday nights after the campers left and the, uh, you know, and after the weekend campers left, you know, one same for the week would still be around but then it was uh yogi after dark you know we play hard too it was really some of the best years of my life we did so many cool things at that job in fact this one season we all got to help uh the contractor crews building the first water slide in the region it was uh, i believe 342 feet long and 40 feet tall or 340 feet long and 42 feet tall. One of those, I, st I still remember it was those two numbers in there, but it was so cool to be part of that, right? We all got to help pour concrete, uh, learned how to work the pump, help nail concession stands together. We learned how to dry climb and inspect the slide every morning, how to repair nicks, what to check. We were taught how to lifeguard, all of us. All the guys, all the girls. But here's the thing about campers. They poop. And even though we had stellar bathrooms that I can personally vouch for were clean daily, people still poop in their campers, in their toilet, of course. And when they fill up that tank, you know, they'd come up front and sign up for the honey wagon. And we'd go and scoop that poop out. So when I was talking about that for my business video, I was talking about how that defined me. Because if you fast forward 30 years to July 2019, I had lunch with a former client of 20 years. And it was the start of our uh, what is now my uh, mentor relationship with him. And, you know, I was talking to him. This was uh, if you've paid attention to this podcast, this was about uh five months after I quit drinking and uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my life and business on track. And like a good mentor, he, he asked me like, you know, what do you think the problem is? What do you want to do? This is what a good mentor does. That's what a good therapist does. Right. And I said, well, I like cleaning up these piles of shit at work, but sometimes I get stuck there. Right. And when I talk about cleaning up piles of shit, what I'm talking about is I'm a data guy. 
I'm a project guy. So I get hired for a project. I go in and, and I work on it. And, uh, and, uh, then usually I would leave. So we talked about that in terms of my business and, 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 uh, you know, what I was good at, what I was needed help with, et cetera. And, uh, there were some interesting points that came up that, that I, I'll point out, but then I'm going to come back to really how this defined me because these two apply to life. So first of all, like I said, I'm a marketing management consultant. I like cleaning up these piles of crap and, uh, and I worked project to project. Well, what do we do in life? Right? We have this project. We have that project. Be it our relationship with our partner, something we're doing with our kids, something we have to do at work, something we're doing with an organization we're in. Right? We're all out there cleaning up piles of poop on some level. Professionally, one of the things that would happen to me that that wasn't working out for me, sometimes I'd get stuck with a client and they'd say, oh, will you keep doing that? Will you keep doing that? Well, that's not my job. My job was to build a process a client needs to own. Let's translate, translate that to life for a minute. How many times have we gotten stuck helping someone out and it just becomes part of our responsibility? Right? And it's not really our responsibility. Sometimes I would go in and clean up a mess and it uncovers something else that we need to organize and, and uh, deal with. How many times does that happen in life? I said it was project to project, but yet I had a lot of long-term relationships. And in those long-term relationships were just series of projects, right? Again, think about life. Think about your relationships. If you have a partner, a spouse, right? Especially if it's long-term, you're going to have challenges in life. Just because you've taken care of one problem doesn't mean another one's going to come up. And what my partner and I work for is to make sure those problems are never caused by us, that they're just external forces of life, complexities of life, as we like to, to call them. See, this is how the job really defined me. So it's not just the business stuff, right? Because what really happened is the owners of this company, you know, they, we were out there. Let me go back to what I said earlier. We're out there cutting wood, installing electricity. Uh, uh, when we're working in the store, we're placing orders, cooking food for people. The owners made sure we knew the importance, not just of, they didn't make sure we just knew the essentials. They taught us the importance of knowing the essentials about everything we touched. They taught us but then they also made it our responsibility and they gave us tremendous responsibility. But if we needed help, they told us to ask them. You know, I mentioned a water slide. Some, sometimes people will get hurt on water slides. That just happens in life. But every employee, like I said, knew what to do. They knew how to 
dry climb and inspect those slides, make sure that didn't happen. If there was an accident, we knew what to do. We were all trained appropriately. When we made mistakes in our job, the owners always made sure they were learning opportunities. How many times have you heard that in life? It's so true. I about burnt the house down one time. I caught a bush outside the front door of his house on fire. While he was out of town and I was staying there. He came home and was pretty surprised, but he forgave me. He just told me not to smoke by his house anymore. But you know, he did that because Roger and Anna both, they did that because we have people's happiness, safety, their lives in our hands. When they're coming there for the weekend, uh, you know, they're our responsibility. Think if you owned a hotel or a bed and breakfast and people were in your house or think of even just guests coming to your house. You know, we had a hundred acre lake people would go swimming on. We had a hot tub. We had uh, this water slide. There were plenty of playgrounds, softball games, basketball courts. There, there were plenty of people out there that uh, were out there trying to have a good time. And we had always be concerned about safety and security. In fact, one of our jobs was doing security every night. But think about that for a minute and think about what I say about karma. All, all of those things would have terrible, terrible ripple effects if they're not treated proper, properly from the beginning. The other thing I realized about those people is they partner with winners. They made us work hard. Nah, I shouldn't say they made us work hard. They hired people that wanted to work hard. That also made me realize that I've been partnering with winners all my life. Not just professionally, but personally too. My long-term clients engaged me for three to eight-year spreads. All of those clients, almost all of those clients grew and sold their businesses. My mentor is even one of them. My smaller clients, my individual projects, they were, they were very niche or niche, if you prefer to say that. They were industry leaders. We'd engage maybe in one shorter term project and my piece was done, but they were successes. It was simple, right? My fails in business are the same fails that we encounter in life. It's where we get roped in to something that isn't our core responsibility or isn't our responsibility to fix. I was thinking about, in a way, they were always kind of selective when it came to employees, but that made them successful. They partnered with people that they thought would breed their success, but not at the expense of those people. Like I said, they took great care of us. And again, doesn't that translate to life? 
So what I really realized when thinking about this job is, is uh, when I did the business angle on this, you know, it was really about being a, 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 a guy that cleans up piles of poop. I go project to project, clean up piles of poop. And I realized I did that, do that in life. And I've been doing it with my own life for the last five years in particular. Right. But the thing about that job is it was the whole thing, the whole environment, the whole vibe. It started with the owners in particular because uh, uh, they were a family. In fact, go back to before that and how I ended up with that job, because uh, I couldn't be more thankful for my mother and stepfather for taking me to that, taking our family to that campground. Because when we were there, and this was before phones and social media as we know it, right? And the internet as we know it today. But when we were there, well, my partner and I were just talking about eating dinner at the table. And I said to her, you know, I, I know we ate dinner at the table at, at home uh, once in a while when I was younger. It's not like we didn't. But I remember when we went to that campground, we had dinner time and we all ate together. Right? It, it, it. Their environment bred success in our family, bred success in our family unit, right? But that environment, those owners, they were a family. Roger and Anna worked together. I said uh, earlier about how the guys were out in the field doing the physical work and and how during the week uh, the women were off usually doing the activities and stuff, but how on the weekend we came together. Well, at the beginning of the week, we pretty much start with, with, uh, the guys meeting with Roger and, you know, and our, uh, Larry, the, our field manager, I guess I'd call him or the, the manager that worked for Roger. And we'd get all our assignments for the week. The women would meet with Anna and they do the same thing and they'd be helping with all the store orders. And like I said, planning the activities for the coming weekend, taking care of the activities for the week. Right. But when the weekend came, man, Roger and Anna were a team on everything. And so were we. We were part of their family. The campers were part of their family. I talked earlier about how Roger was so forgiving and how he always empowered us to know not only what we were doing, but the importance of knowing what we're doing. And Anna did the same and they, but they treated everyone with respect, but at the same time, they never let people walk all over them. I remember I can see it now. I can see Roger's face getting red. And a couple of times when he excused campers from the campground, because it was for the greater good of the environment there. You know, we talk about role models. They just weren't role models. They were living examples. They were beyond role models. So on some level, you know, I think I've always been aware of this because I've always been fond of that job and I kept that T-shirt, but I never really realized what it meant. It wasn't such an epiphany as it was to me when I was thinking about this a few months ago. In fact, uh, uh, this was an episode I intended to record, uh, a couple of times last season and uh it's really one i wanted to put out there to kind of set the stage for things now because like i said i i you know i i I realize and i think we all have this we can go back to something that on some level we think it defined us because it did but when you really think about what it did is it set goals and aspirations for you to to pursue so, for example, 
uh, I was talking about how Roger and Anna work together and how they come together. You know, in fact, in my, I, 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 <laughs> I think about my search for a partner and my partner now, right? I was on a search for two years. And one of the things I had in my dating profile, one of the things I've always said is, is I need someone who wants to work with me on the things I'm doing. And I want to work with you on the things you're doing. And I want things that we can do together. And I found just that I found a partner who's basically a different in a different version of the same line of work. I'm in a partner with side projects, just like me, a partner who integrates work into home life and home into work life without sacrificing the other. One who understands the difference between responsibilities and being a workaholic, one that understands the difference between pursuing goals <laughs> and not pursuing them and the work it takes to pursue them. In fact, like I said, I think I've always realized this because even though it's been a very active, intentional part of my search for a partner, I can go back to my marriage and think of my ex-wife and how I wanted to work together with her at some point, but we couldn't find, uh, I wanted her to be part of my business, but we couldn't find the right mix. I'll say, I think back to the affair I had afterwards and how, uh, how I had proposed something we could do together. That was something related to this podcast basically, and how I wanted to, to build that with her, but she wasn't interested. I can think of, uh, the, the girlfriend after who was, uh, uh, who I was with when I uh, came up with the idea for no bad karma as it is today, basically, and, uh, how I wanted her to be part of it. It's not the job just didn't define me. It, I, I realize this is what I want. Right. This is what I want. I want to work in an environment that's happy. That's part of my life. Uh, uh, that my partner's a part of that my family's a part of. It defined what I want. 40 years ago. So it's not really just about how, so when you think about your jobs and these things that define you, sometimes I really think we, we undervalue them, right? Because we think about jobs as jobs. Like I said, at the beginning, we, we, I go back to these LinkedIn posts that kind of inspired all this thinking. And these people are talking about, yeah, I remember my first job when I was doing this and, you know, selling encyclopedias now door to door. And now I'm selling, you know, industrial machines or whatever. It, it, dude, it's not just about the job that defined you. It's about how it defined your work ethic. But work ethic is much more than just jobs. It's about doing the work of life. It's about working together. It's about putting in the work that you need to. And speaking of that, I hate when people say I'll give 110%. I used to be one of them. And you know why that is? Because you never can give more than 100%. You only have 100% of yourself to give and you're breaking it out 
among different things every day. But then whatever percent you dedicate to this, you should give 100% effort to that percentage. That's how you do 100%. You can't give 110. You can't give more than you have. In fact, if you tell me you're giving 110%, I'll say, well, you know, what were you giving before, 90 But anyhow, the point of this episode is really just to, to set the stage and get you thinking about the work that you're doing or not doing in terms of living and loving intentionally. Because like I said, this was, you know, almost an epiphany for me. I think it was an epiphany only because maybe I didn't acknowledge it like I should have when I was younger. But I appreciate that work ethic that that job instilled in me. Because if you've been listening to the latest episodes or you check out the YouTube channel, you'll see that I'm Instacarting for Thrivival. Not survival, but Thrivival. Survival too, but Thrivival first. And I'll be talking about that more, hopefully, in the next episode. But where did that come from? It came from understanding that you can't move your life forward unless you're going to put in the work. You can't move your jobs forward unless you're going to put in the work. You can't move your relationship forward unless you're going to put in the work. And you're better off not creating problems because that only means you're going to have to do more work. So really, I challenge you today to just think about the things that have defined you, the jobs that have defined you in particular, and then start asking yourself, were they just jobs? Did they teach you something else that you're not acknowledging that you should acknowledge? Are you ignoring something in your life that you should be embracing? What have you really learned from those things? Because I think if we go back and look at the experiences we've had, like we always say, we're an amalgamation of our experiences. But so many times we say, this happened to me. That's why I am the way I am today. That's not growth. What you need to do is say, this happened to me. This is what I learned from it. This is what I can do with it. That's growth. That's giving your choices a purpose bigger than yourself. I'll leave you with those thoughts for today. And I'll see you soon.